Board round, session number 42. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take, USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and board vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. Welcome to Board Rounds. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I would love for you to share this podcast with your classmates. If you're listening to this, you're probably in medical school. And guess what? You probably have classmates who would love to have free board prep when they're working out, when they're walking their dog, when they're driving to school, wherever it may be. Just share them. Uh, let them know about this podcast. Share this with them. Let's go and jump into our episode today. Dr. Mike Natter back for some more board rounds. I'm excited to be back with you today. To, Dr. Ryan Gray, uh, to learn. a pleasure. We're going to learn today and uh, hopefully more anatomy maybe so that I can show off my lack of anatomy knowledge uh, that's has been retained. But uh, what do we have in store today? I, I'd say this falls somewhat in the anatomy category. I like it. Um, you might be, it might be up your alley. Yeah. It's, a, right. it's a very specific one. So let's see how we do. Okay. All right. A 62-year-old female presents with drooping on the right side of the face and impaired taste, stating that I can't taste my food normally. Her hearing is normal. Where is the probable lesion located? A, in the mastoid segment of the facial nerve proximal to the corda tympani, tympani rather, and distal to the nerve to the stapedius. B, at the cerebellopontine angle. C, in the tympanic segment distal to the geniculate ganglion but proximal to the stapedius nerve. D, distal to the styloid foramen, or E, distal to the gradal petrosal nerve branch and proximal to the mastoid segment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't consider this anatomy, by the way. <laughs> this is neurology. <laughs> Bunch of nerds. Um, yeah, this is what I make fun of my wife about. Like, I located the lesion. There's nothing we can do about it, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a great intellectual exercise yeah. and clinically useless. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Obviously, um, drooping. So we're dealing with the facial nerve uh, because we have drooping of the face, uh, impaired taste. So we have to remember what nerve uh, taste is in. So I'm assuming it's also part of the facial nerve. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, obviously can't taste the food normally. And then hearing is normal. So there's some like, hey, but there, this one branch of wherever this is coming from, it's the, the lesion is obviously distal to where that hearing gets broken off. Mm -hmm. um, and so beyond that, I would have no clue on, um, on where this would go uh, to, to figure out where this lesion is. It's a tricky one. Um, yeah. So, I mean, your your foundation is is again perfectly sound, and so now we can we can I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of uh, springboard off of what you just said. Okay. So I also was like, okay, so it looks like we have a bit of a palsy. So we could talk about the facial nerve. We we yep. agree with that, and um, kind of recalling where the facial nerve kind of exits. 
kind of branches out into a bunch of different things. But the coolest thing about the facial nerve that I actually barely remembered was that there is this branch called the corda tympani that is responsible, I think, for the anterior two thirds of your tongue. So the taste mm. part. Yeah. So right off the bat, we're thinking facial nerve. We're thinking something with the corda tympani. But then we're also thinking, okay, if, if sound is intact, the hearing is intact, like you said, then we're sparing whatever segment that is. And so if we recall, there are three kind of bones, tiny, tiny bones yep. um, in the ear, inner ear. Um, the stapedius is uh, one of them. Um, so if the nerve to the stapedius is not affected, then we can say that that might hold on to our sound. Um, so we can walk through them all from here. So if I recall correctly, the, uh, cerebral pontine angle would only be, I think, I think hearing. Um, and then when we talk about the, the foramens, the holes where things coming out of, uh, the, the styloid, uh, stylo, excuse me, the stylohyoid foramen, I, I think would not actually be involved in this cause that would knock out more. Mm. So we can kind of get rid of D, um, we can get rid of B, like I said, and then we're talking about. Um, so the tympanic segment, so the tympanic segment on its own is going to be sound. And so if that's knocked out, then that's going to be uh, affected. So C should be out. So then we kind of are between for, at least for me, I'm between like A and E and I can't recall the petrosal nerve branch, um, what that does specifically. And so if I look at A and I say, okay, the mastoid segment of the facial nerve, so facial nerve that would cause our droop. Yep. If we're proximal to the corda tympani, then the corda tympani should be affected because it's proximal. But then if we're distal to the stapedius, then the, the stapedius should be spared. Yep. So to me, that seems to make some sense. Um, so I would say that A is the correct answer in that, um, and that ends up being the case. And let me just give you a little bit more detail about that. So we understand that, as you said, the facial nerve has special sensory afferent fibers, um, which does serve the uh, anterior two-thirds of the tongue. And then the localization of the branches of the facial nerve can we can also use to determine the site of where that lesion is, like we talked about being proximal or distal, which will spare or include other areas. Oh, okay. So it was very similar to a couple of weeks ago, we did the, the, the central cord syndrome question. So again, it's the, the neurology and these tracks and these nerves and just really, really making sure that you have all of these things um, just, just memorize, right? There's, it's, a, it's very hard to, to go, okay, I can, I can intuit this from, from, uh, this clinical vignettes, these, these things you just need to know. It's true. It's a little unfortunate because it does kind of come down to at least rote memorizing some things, but then once you rote memorize a few things, you can then use those to intuit other things. But I agree with you. I think unfortunately with questions such as these that are very kind of granular and specific and not particularly clinically relevant, um, you're, you're going to be stuck with memorizing a lot. So let me ask you this. You're out in practice somewhat, right? You're, you're in your residency, you're going on mm -hmm. to your fellowship, at least as we're recording this. Um, right. when you are in the hospital, you're seeing patients. Like, I think a lot of students coming up now that, that are listening to this, they've grown up with knowledge at their fingertips, right? They don't need to memorize anymore because everything is right there on their device. How, Absolutely. how much in your day-to-day -day life and practice and seeing patients, are you relying on that memorization versus going and, and using the, the skills that you've built through medical school and through residency to ask the right questions and then know how to go and find the right answers? 
Dr. Gray, you're, you're hitting on a very, very good point and something that I tend to tell the medical students who rotate with me. And there's three things I want to say. One, you have, you do not have to be a library of information. You have to be a librarian. You have to know what you don't know and know where to look it up. If anyone tells you that they know all of Harrison's internal medicine, or they've <laughs> memorized everything you need to know, like either there's something very wrong with them or they're just lying. And no, no good doctor is just a, a, you know, a repository of facts. A good doctor is someone that can communicate and also admit when they don't know things. And it's not expected of you either as a medical student, as a resident, or even as an attending to know all the answers. It's not possible. Yeah. And like you said, we have these devices. We have our phones, our iPads, our computers, literally at every turn in every corner. So it would be almost irresponsible of us to not utilize that technology to then double check ourselves, look stuff up, and, and kind of come to the correct answer. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is that medical school, unfortunately, does make you have to learn a lot of things and memorize a lot of things, but more importantly is learning how to think yep. and learning how to interact. It's kind of like coming out of that four years. Yes, you have a lot of rote material at your fingertips, but you're also going to forget a lot of that. A lot of it's not going to be relevant to you. And it's true that we learn things at such a granular level so that we can understand from you know the ba most basic to the most complex, but it doesn't really matter clinically to the same level that we've learned it. And that's un that's something you have to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. How much do you think we'll get into a world where the patients understand that we can't know everything and they're okay with us, quote unquote, Googling something, right? Because that's what everybody thinks we're doing when we're on our phones. Uh, right. Versus, I, I think a lot of the establishment, because they're older and more traditional, they, they probably think that it's a sign of weakness and we're not skilled and we're not smart if we need to go to the computer to look for something. So I love, I don't love, but I, I really enjoy when a patient asks me something, telling them, I'm not sure, but why don't we figure it out together? Or let me look that up and get back to you. Because yeah. it reinforces that concept that we are not all knowing, we're not omnipotent, we're we're human beings, we're physicians and we're smart and we know a lot of things, but just because we don't know every single answer, to every single question when it's given to us, um, doesn't make us a bad doctor. And I found, and I think I could be wrong, but I think there's actually data on this that patients really respect and like when a doctor is honest and forthcoming when they aren't sure about something. Yeah. And the other thing that I've learned, you know, coming from a background of no medicine and going like before I went into medical school, I thought things were black and white. I thought you come, you get your diagnosis, which is, you know, 100% correct all the time. And you know the treatment because you know the diagnosis and it works and that's the end of it. Medicine is the opposite of that. It's shades of gray and not no, di no disease process reads the textbook exactly. And so you're going to get patients that present weirdly that may have, you know, one very strange presentation of a disease or they may have three different diseases and it's presenting very strangely. And even if they have a really very run of the mill bread and butter disease, the treatment for them because they're an individual may be different from what the textbook tells you. And so it's just kind of understanding that and working with your patient and making it more of a partnership. All right, there you have it. Another great episode for you with Dr. Mike Natter. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you learned something from it as you learned with me as Dr. Mike Natter was teaching me through this journey. Uh, don't forget, you can check out Dr. Mike Natter at mike.natter on Instagram. I'm Medical School HQ on Instagram if you want to follow me there. Go check out everything that he's doing, some amazing stuff with his artwork. 
And don't forget to go check out boardvitals.com and use the promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15% off their QBanks or their shelf exams, whatever you need to help prepare you for your next step in this journey. Again, boardvitals.com. Use the promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15% off. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Board Rounds. This is MedEd Media.